OPN Ask an Angel podcasts are conversations with global angel investors and venture capitalists. We explore how to invest, understanding investment strategies, and approaches to due diligence. Join us and learn what it takes to be a startup or what it takes to invest in the next great company. Welcome to the Supporters Fund Ask an Angel. I'm your host, Jeffrey Potvin, and we like to welcome our investor today, which is uh, Sharif Nisam. Thank you very much for joining us, and hopefully I said your last name correctly. Yes, Nisim, right. <laughs> awesome. I love it. Well, welcome, and thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Jeff. Nice having you. Awesome. Well, like we, we'd like to start things off kind of in a, a quick, easy fashion, and that is we'd love to hear a little bit about your background. Um, yeah. You can talk a little bit about kind of where you've come from. Uh, I know you've worked at some great companies, worked in some startups, done some good things all over, and then created your own VC firm. So, You've got a great story to tell. I won't steal away from that, but over to you. But please uh, share a little bit about your background. And then sure. one thing about you that nobody will know. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. So just, yeah, maybe uh, I'll jump with like a quick introduction about my, my background. So I'm an engineer. So I've always been a, a tech guy. Um, I graduated 1998. So back uh, at the time probably of the internet dial-up connections <laughs> and the nice uh, sound of the modem. Um, I've been working, as I said, yeah, I started working in voice and data solutions, uh, doing PBXs and call center solutions for banks and, and uh, uh, enterprises. Um, I'm... I was in Egypt back then. I mean, I'm, I'm Egyptian, I'm born and raised, and I finished my studies there in, in, in Egypt. Um, um, I, I joined uh, a group called Oroscom uh, Group. They uh, mainly, they, they work in, in Egypt and Middle East uh, around uh, technology, and they have other uh, business lines. It's It's a big family there in Egypt, and they have like different lines, telecom, construction, and uh, real estate development. So I was, I joined one of these uh, groups. Uh, I was in the telecom uh, group. And um, I consider that this is the place where I learned a lot. I stayed with them for a long time. I mean, I've been at least with one of their companies since I graduated 1998. Um, I stayed first, as I said, in the enterprise uh, company for five years, and then I shifted to the telecom side. Again, it's, it was sort of a startup. Um, I was not part of the founders uh, per se, but I joined early on that I was considered as part of the founding team back in 2005. Um, at that time, we're building the company. Uh, it's it, it's it's uh, it's a mobile value-added services company called Arpo Plus, uh, headquartered in Egypt and working across the Middle East. Uh, when I joined, it was, as I said early on, it was just starting in Egypt, trying to build relations with mobile operators in uh, in Egypt, and then uh, we expanded very fast. That we covered. Uh, most of the Middle East. So uh, I think now we have like office in every single uh, country in the Middle East, all the way from North Africa, Tunisia, Algeria, Morocco, all the way to uh, Pakistan and Bangladesh as well. Uh, what we did at Arpo Plus is mainly we worked with mobile telcos, carriers, uh, to offer them mobile value-added services uh, that they can offer to their consumers. So and anything and and mobile vast is very wide. Uh, it's anything other than a person calling a person or sending text. So this falls under uh, vast. So starting from the entertainment part, like music, video, video on demand portals. Uh, a lot of operators now they do their own um, uh, video on demand platform. It's labeled by the operator and so on. Uh, music streaming uh, portals as well, um, all the way to um, a vertical that's uh, genuinely I had huge interest in, which is the mobile uh, payments. Uh, so we did a lot of payments as well, 
since probably 2010, uh, mobile wallets, remittance as well. Um, and what, what helped us as well is the geography that we worked at. Uh, working in the Middle East, um, we, we had a lot of opportunities, uh, I'm sure. It's, it's, it's a totally unbanked, or the, the, the majority of the population is unbanked. They don't have bank accounts. They don't have definitely credit cards or anything. So for, for payments, they had to depend on other uh, solution. It was definitely a cash society. And then uh, the mobile penetration actually was accelerating very fast that uh, offering mobile solution on top of the mobile operator made sense more than banks trying to reach uh, the unbanked population. So we, we introduced a lot of, of services around this, uh, including remittance as well, cross corridor, cross borders, uh, remittance as well between, uh, for example, the GCC area, Saudi Arabia and Pakistan and so on, where a lot of uh, expats, people from Pakistan working in the GCC and, and, and Saudi Arabia. So uh, so that, that's yeah, that's my journey in, in terms of uh, working in, in, in the technology domain. Um, th th there is a story around as well how I shifted a little bit into uh, investments and venture capital as well. Um, in, 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 it started and it was sort of a luck strike as well, uh, at least partially. Um, it, it happened in 2015. Uh, Oroscom Telecom, they decided to um, exit the mobile telco business. They sold it to a Russian group called Vian. Uh, so they sold all the mobile operators. At that time, they owned like mobile uh, carrier in Pakistan, in Bangladesh, and in Italy, in Tunisia, Algeria, Egypt, a lot of countries. So they decided to exit. They started most of these operators like maybe 10, 15 years uh, back. I mean, 1999, 2001, two, and so on. So they felt they reached a peak. Business started to saturate. A lot of mobile operators were a little bit struggling in terms of the, the revenues or, and, and the ARPO from the users. So that, they decided it's the right time to, uh, to exit and maybe focus on other business lines as well. So uh, after exiting, I mean, we were all under the same holding structure. So ARPO Plus, the company where I worked, um, used to be like a sister company to the mobile telcos in, in Pakistan, in Egypt, in Tunisia, and Algeria. So after they did, they did this uh, exit and they sold it, they, they, they did a restructure um, and they, uh, they decided instead of having these all subsidiaries and portfolio companies into uh, a holding or an operating holding company, they transformed into a VC fund. Um, so 2015 was the inception of this VC fund. It's called A15. And they, uh, they, they decided to allocate part of the capital they were raising for the fund for the early employees uh, across all the subsidiaries, not only ARPO Plus, so ARPO Plus and our other sister uh, companies. So I, I got excited. I liked the idea of being an investor in the the fund that owned the company that have been working uh, with since since a long time, uh, and, and I, 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 as I said, I, I was I was having this sense that I am part of the founding team. I have influence. I have. Uh, I mean, I help position and shape the strategy for the company and so on. So I, I like the idea, and I I, I joined uh, the fund as an LP. Uh, I invested some money there. I became an LP, and being an LP in a fund with people that you know very well, it helped me at least become a little bit involved, uh, maybe on the deal flow side, maybe um, as a subject matter expert in some uh, startups they would look at, and so on. So this was the beginning of the involvement. And at that time, I considered, yeah, that I had my full-time job at ARPO Plus as an engineer. Uh, and I, I started my journey looking and understanding more about the investments, more about the ecosystem, how it works. Uh, um, I, I reached out to a lot of players in the ecosystem, whether in Egypt or um, 
other countries in, in the Middle East. So I, I reached out to a lot of accelerators, incubators, other VCs, and so on. So I, I think this was a turning point for me because I realized at that time that, yeah, after working for maybe 20 plus uh, years as a technology operator, um, definitely this is a domain I love, the technology, but probably I wanted to shift to um, the investment side. I still want to remain in the technology, uh, but maybe from, from a different angle, I would say. Ah, it's very exciting. And I love the fact that your the business that you work for had the foresight to be able to think about creating a fund and being part of it and bringing the employees in and allowing everybody to kind of participate in this kind of almost global exercise. Yeah, yeah. Yesterday, they, they were, I mean, the fund was just celebrating the second Dragon exit. Uh, they exit another company uh, working in the digital advertising. And they exited uh, to a company from the States and, and it's a Miami-based uh, company. It's a huge deal. And for us, it's, it's again, the second time that we achieve a Dragon exit where the whole uh, proceeds from this uh, uh, portfolio company was, I mean, more than one time the total value of the fund. So oh, it's uh, exciting times as well. Oh, that's very, congratulations. Yeah. I'm sure that's uh, uh, from all the hard work paid off, right? So it's good. Yeah. Uh, exciting. So now kind of taking the, going back a step into um, uh, the ARP, ARPU, is that it? ARPU? Yeah. ARPU plus. Yeah. ARPU plus. If going yeah, back. ARPU stands that, for average revenue per user. So, and plus is our mission that we are trying to help the mobile operators increase the ARPU of their users. Ah, I like that. Very yeah. nice. It's uh, it's clever. Yeah. So taking that kind of that role and where you've been working in a lot of different businesses and obviously in the early tech side, um, how much of that process and learning from the beginning to obviously you grew the company to a lot larger uh, from when you first started, how much of that learning did you find that you're now carrying that into your investment arm, like going into working with these startups and utilizing a lot of that process, a lot of that technology to solve problems. Uh, are you finding that that's been a real trigger in helping you give back to early stage companies using that innovation hat that you've built up over time? Yeah, I totally agree. Because again, uh, um, even though that Arpo Plus on, on its own, it wasn't really a startup in the sense of the startups that we see now. But in a lot of cases, I was exposed to working with uh, startups as partners. So small companies, they want to uh, introduce their service to the mobile operators and they're not able to reach them. They're small companies, maybe five, uh, five persons company, and they want to, uh, they have like this, it's, it can be as simple as maybe a gaming company. They develop this type of games and they want to promote it and they want to get into a relation with the mobile operator to uh, to push their product or their game or their application. So I, I think working a lot with this type of partners, uh, which in, in a lot of cases they were uh, startups, gave me like, like a clear understanding what what's what's the struggles, how they um, how they how they manage to find the right partnership to help them grow. Um, and what are their challenges and so on. So I, I think in this sense, yeah, it, it helped me now as well uh, start to, it, it, because a lot of learnings that you had in the past, you didn't relate. I mean, yeah, I mean, you didn't feel that this is really a learning or this is really something that you uh, are aware of, but now you realize that, yeah, I remember that, yeah, I, I worked with this company. I remember their struggle in this, uh, for example, marketing uh, struggles or this, how do they acquire customers? And for example, for another company, for them, they really don't have any, uh, they, they, they didn't raise anything, but for them to sign with a mobile operator and then expand with another operator and maybe have like an agreement with a group in the region, uh, I, I saw how how this can help startups, how partnerships can help 
startups and, and not not only investments what, what i'm talking about i mean investor is 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 one type of partnerships or support that the startups can seek but a lot of smart uh, partnerships can help them as well uh, scale and grow early on if they do yeah, that's good that you caught that and what i like about that story is that uh, i have a uh, i see a lot of kind of how my career started as well when i worked as in software engineer and worked at loblaws um same ideas i worked with a lot of startups because no one knew where to send them so they would they would send them to me and then i would figure out what to do with them uh and i just love breaking down their models figuring out how we could utilize their tech inside of um inside of big business and the great thing is is that while you're doing it you don't realize you're learning how that startup works how they're actually functioning how can they support a big yeah. client so you're learning all of these mechanisms and then you know 10 15 20 years later you're totally dived into all of this and you're not really understanding you're like why do i know this so well this is so easy and you realize man i've been doing this for a long time so yeah. there, there is a lot of great value that you take from your history and and certainly the fact that you've got the opportunity to work with startups by bringing them in and now that next layer which is investing in them and working with them so on that tech side of things what i find too about um engineers or uh technology people is that as they're working in their space they're always trying to find innovation they're always trying to automate try to make things quicker faster better that's what a technologist's job really comes down to it's it's uh, even if i'm a coder my job is to simplify my code so much that i write the least amount to get the most out of it so in that learning and how you've kind of built up over the time in in corporate and then started to work into startups uh, do you find that interest level just keeps skyrocketing because there's so many uh, startups in fintech and uh software engineer like whatever the space is that you're just drawn to it because you see them solving problems that maybe most don't see because you're more of a back end guy you understand software you understand technology so you're able to fill the gaps quicker be more um attracted to these companies that are solving problems that maybe the average person isn't seeing every day so do you find that that keen eye came from that 20 years of of technology experience yeah definitely definitely and i think the region is helping as well because i'm 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 focused on a region that is booming now i mean any any type of vertical or industry you can think of um is not yet uh, i would say enabled with the right technology so of course financial services these are one of the this is one of the early areas that have been touched but i think there are a lot i mean uh, logistics and supply chain industry the transportation industry um health tech insurance a lot of domains actually um you can easily figure out how to um and again it, it has a little bit of system engineering you, you need to understand how it works without technology and then pinpoint the problems and then figure out how you can add technology to whether as you said automated or maybe solve some of the problems into this industry or this vertical and and i think yeah as as i said in the region the opportunity is huge into deploying the technology i mean the slight advancement and slight enablement of uh, technology in any industry has a huge impact it it it, it makes a huge uh, difference for sure And now taking that kind of knowledge that you've gained working with startups uh building them into a company and now going to the investor side uh, how do you look at merging markets so let's say and I probably would agree that Egypt is an emerging market um most yeah. of uh, I would say most of the Middle East is really starting to pick up in the startup side of things they're trying to build that around uh their ecosystem there's more dollars coming in investors are starting to come in all over the place and and jumping into uh different countries in the middle east where do you see the opportunities and are you still working with companies in there or are you focused mostly on us companies where are you guys spending your time for uh working with and then making investments yeah um 
no, I'm 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 still definitely yeah, focused on the region because again, when when I thought of starting Jodar Capital, um, I I wanted to see yeah, where where is the added value I can bring both to the startups of course and to investors that will and LPs that will invest in the fund as well. So I I decided to focus on the region where I have. Uh, the most connections, the experience, as well as the knowledge about the market and the even on the macroeconomic level and 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 how countries uh, work, where the regulations, the laws, and everything. So I'm 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 focused on uh, the region, of course. So Egypt, Middle East, Africa, this part of the world, and um, it's amazing what what's going on there because. I've I've been involved with the ecosystem maybe since uh, 2012, just after you know the uprising in Egypt in 2011 and so on, and I can sense a huge maturity um, in the ecosystem, uh, especially in the last maybe four or five years. Uh, startups now they're. Even the, the, from both, I mean, the founders, the investors, they're both, uh, they reached like, yeah, this sort of maturity level. The market has developed. We have started to see now maybe later stage investments, series A, B, and C, for maybe companies that were just starting five, six years ago. So because again, when when you start an ecosystem from, from the ground, you need time. You need like the first six, seven years. There will be a lot of noise, a lot of startups, a lot of um, uncertainty. I mean, learnings. Startups are still figuring out how how funding works. When when should I get funded and so on. But after like yeah, six, seven years, this settles down a little bit, and the companies that actually continue to grow at that time. Uh, starting maybe six years ago, and they 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 start to grow, and this this was the time of, um, I think like validating the the ecosystem by reaching a maturity level where they're ready for Series A and B, and it was a question of are they able to attract um, investors from. The Western world, I mean, outside the region, investors from the States, investors from Europe. And this, this, has, this was something that started and we started to see it, uh, I think, the last couple of years. A lot of, I mean, now on, on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis, we hear about, yeah, um, a VC doing its first investment into the region. Um, an incubator considering, for example, opening like um, an acceleration program focusing only on the Middle East and so on. So so I, I, I think, yeah, the, the, the region is changing and is um, grabbing the attention of the external uh, capital that we lacked. I mean, for the past five years, most of the rounds, most of the funding was from, I would say, the usual suspects. You will find the same names, the same VC firms, the same even individual angels. They're just all over the place in most of the deals. But now we're starting to see fresh capital and external capital coming. Um, and this is this is a, a positive sign. It's like, as I said, it's a validation for the ecosystem after maybe 10 years of, of working. And that's amazing. And I, and I think the other thing too is the... Um, economic value that changes with startups too, that I don't think a lot of people pay attention to. But when you start having VCs come in and funding startups, that's creating more jobs, that's creating higher paid jobs. Uh, it's it's um, exemplifying the talent that's in the, in the country, in the region. Uh, yes. so you have a lot more people that are trying to dive in and now you've got um, a base. And I think that's what you've created is a really strong base of you know five to seven year startups. And now those people are looking to create their own startups. Now they know who to talk to on a funding side. So it kind of keeps cascading and that starts yeah. to open up more doors and more opportunities. Yeah, you're right. Which I think is pretty valuable that you've been part of this ecosystem the whole time. So that's kind of allowing you to have and really bridge the gap between uh, an investor in US trying to do something in the Middle East when you've got that footprint, you've got the knowledge, 
Now you can make those proper investments and not have to worry too much about fly off the wall, trying to jump in and push your way into an ecosystem that you don't understand um, yeah. and just waste time and never make a, a proper investment. Yeah. Well, that's amazing. So I think you've done some great things. You're moving forward. Maybe we can chat a little bit more about uh, on your fund side, how that operates and works. Yeah, I, I've been working on the investment thesis development and so on, I think from January or February this year. And um, I was lucky because I had the chance as well to get to know some uh, VCs here in the States and they offered, I mean, I, I was, I, I wanted to have, to get like a second eye and, and just to validate the investment thesis from this perspective of these uh, US investors or an LP from US. Um, and it was eye-opening for me. Again, I mean, talking to investors about would you consider investing into the region in Egypt, Middle East, and Africa? And another thing, would you consider investing through a first-time fund manager? Uh, that's my first fund. I've been working in technology, but my experience as an operator is big. But um, as an investor, maybe it's 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 not. Uh, again, it's it's uh, it's a first-time uh, fund for for me. So uh, it was a good experience to um, to validate this and work with them. And I, I, I saw actually a, um, a lot of interest um, into the region. People are starting now to look beyond US, Latin America, and Europe. I mean, for people or investors in the States that they were they wanted to go global, they stopped at the borders of Europe. They don't they didn't they never looked beyond that. Uh, there is this area probably all the way till emerging Asia, and then maybe they, they they see Japan, they see Singapore, they see they see South Korea, and so on. But there is a huge area in the middle, Africa, Middle East, and emerging Asia, like countries like Pakistan, for example, Bangladesh, this part of the world. So now they're started to look at probably this is the last uh, region to. To approach. It's still in the development phase, still startups are shaping, even on the uh, governments and country level, the countries are still actually developing. They, I, I call this in my investment thesis, uh, regulatory framework liberalization. It's an opportunity at the end because most of these countries, they don't have rules to allow, for example, digital banks and uh, innovation uh, for companies that want to enter into the financial services. So if you as an investor is there from the very beginning while this is still being shaped, you, you, you're, you're getting access to um, a huge opportunity. Uh, population is crazy in this part of the world. Africa and Middle East is more than 1.5 billion population. They're young. I think they're the youngest uh, population uh, compared to the other continents. Um, so the opportunities are great as well. The Even on the government level, th there is this digital transformation, investments in the infrastructure, the internet, and so on. So all these are factors that will raise and uh, level up the, the startup ecosystem. And my thesis it's is it is around that yeah that now is the right time because of these trends these digital transformation and this uh regulatory framework liberalization from the countries the countries are realizing now that startups is an integral part to help them uh push their economy so they're pushing them with uh, new rules new laws that enable them to work in a regulated environment and I would say less risky as well because a lot of startups have been working for the past five years and they've been doing a lot of workarounds to, to be able to stand with uh, working in an environment without clear regulation. They, they were not sure whether what they're doing is right or wrong. They want to offer uh, financial services on the mobile but there is no clear rule for this. So they had to play and pivot and, and move around. 
So and this again was was definitely yeah it's it it it, it was risky, but the environment is changing now again with the rules. So I think the opportunity is huge and big for the investors uh, to get into this region. I agree with you, and I, I think all of the points that you mentioned are valid. And you talk about one quite quite a bit, which is the um, regulation side of it. So now, from a, a fund coming in, or even if you're doing um, solo investing or special purpose purpose vehicle investing (SPVs), how do you protect your investments by investing in, say, some of these countries that may have unstable regulations around banking and other things? How, how do you look at that? Like, obviously, Egypt has uh, been in the space for a while, so they've got some pretty strong regulations that are coming out. Uh, yeah. It's changing quite a bit there, but there are other countries that you're talking to that may not have those same um, opportunities, and yeah. the risk factor goes up. So how are you regulating that and protecting yourself and your investors and everything else while you're doing this? Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I had the privilege to um, work in the region and travel a lot to countries around this region. So uh, Pakistan, Bangladesh, as well as, as Middle East and so on. So as you said, some countries, of course, they are still in the early stage of having these regulations and laws um, ready. But knowing the region, this helps a lot. Um, I mean, Compared to, for example, investing blindly. I mean, you say, yeah, the, the region is booming, so I will invest or I put money in this country. So I understand I and I treat every country separately. So I I I I I I tend to try to understand the ecosystem from the regulatory uh, side. So and again, it's 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 uh, it's uh, industry or a vertical by vertical basis. So if I'm looking at at the fintech, for example. Um, I try to understand the country first, where do they stand in terms of the regulations and laws? Um, a lot of countries, they don't start right away with maybe um, issuing laws and regulation to regulate the work of these startups want to, wanting to do like financial service and so on. They start with maybe sandboxes and get the startups to uh, experiment what they want to do, and then they try to figure out, okay, I mean, the best way we see it to, for example, respect privacy or um, whatever the rules of the country, they start then to do the regulation. So I, I, I tend to go uh, deep into the understanding of the environment itself rather than this, just the startup or the opportunity, just to make sure that, as you said, I'm, I'm protecting the investment I'm doing, and as well as the investors uh, that are investing alongside with me, whether it's it's a fund or whether it's uh, angel investors in SPV, for example. That's awesome. And it's good that you're doing that because uh, I think at the end of the day, if you didn't have that knowledge, then I think the fear would be, and it would probably, well, maybe it would still work, but I think like you're, you were saying earlier, would kind of prevent others from wanting to come into the region. So you kind yeah. of have to be the expert in really sharing on how and what this looks like, uh, because you do see it booming. Is there one region that you think is standing out from everybody else that you're like, uh, and you can make, you can kind of hide it, but not hide it. Cause I'm really, I'm sure you're <laughs> like, well, you know, Egypt's doing okay, but yeah. you don't give away the, uh, uh, give away the secret stash of uh, the countries that are really on fire. But yeah. Uh, is there a couple of regions that you think are really starting to, to blossom and, and really bring out some great startups? Um, let me think what country I want to hide. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, th I think there are a lot of countries that are booming in the region, but in particular, I, I, I'm, I'm following very closely Egypt, of course, being my home country, as well as Pakistan. I'm, I'm, I'm amazed with what's going in, in, in Pakistan as well. And they, I think they're... They're moving in the same track as, as Egypt. Maybe they're two years lagging. Um, they had a lot of, as well, financial services companies that were working in an unregulated environment. And now it's it's the same story again. The, um, the Federal Reserve Bank there or the central bank of the country is starting to uh, look uh, at the startups and try to 
uh, issue rules and laws to make sure that they're working into a right framework that doesn't compromise anything. So I, I think as well, yeah, I mean, Egypt, Pakistan, Saudi Arabia, these are countries that are uh, booming very well. Amazing. So they're kind of reducing the um, the time to solve problems and they're being more open from their security side on how these regulations can allow the, these startup companies to kind of build business. So they're opening up the, uh, um, the regulations and letting people in so that they can get businesses being started. So that, that really does help the ecosystem yes. at least yeah. start to grow, right? And is it all come down yeah. to in these regions, is it all mandated and regulated by the same governing bodies so that you can kind of figure out who you need to work with? Or is it completely different and it's really just a whole crapshoot of how you have to go in and work with different bodies to get people to loosen up regulations or tighten yeah. up regulations? Like in Canada and US, it's pretty straightforward. You have uh, the Securities Exchange Commission, you can go in and work with them. Yeah. Uh, you have the FCA, like there's different bodies that you can go to. Uh, are other regions as developed in that sense that you can go in and do that? Or you mentioned earlier, it's kind of a crapshoot and you just hope you don't get slapped while you're kind of building your company. Yeah. No, it's a little bit challenging, of course. There are challenges. But again, as I said, it boiled down to understanding the country and understand who are the drivers uh, in each vertical, for example. Because if you're getting into health tech, you need to understand how this is regulated, what are the bodies that govern this, the insurance as well, the financial service. So every vertical definitely can have different uh, structure or different governing bodies that regulates this. So you need, you need to look at a country by country basis and try to understand how this, these um, organizations work, what are their concerns and whether you can lobby just maybe with startups to try to talk to them, try to um, offer them like um, showcases maybe for other countries, how they uh, approach, how they tackle this vertical, leave it with them. And then it helps a lot when in a lot of cases, it's, it's, it's all about they want to see how others did. So if you as startup and maybe us as, as investors try to help the startups um, put their voice in front of these bodies and explain to them how things are working there. Sometimes it's, uh, it helps. They, 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 uh, they understand how it works. We want to do it right way. We want to do it in, in a way that protects our uh, security or whatever the concerns they have. No, I like that. And, and I think one thing that may add on to the, uh, de-risking this whole process, and I'm guessing, and, and you tell me if you've seen this, but um, when Techstars or one of the accelerators pops in and they start working in that space that they're helping really shift, move forward really quickly, the regulation changes because when Techstars or one of these larger, uh, I know there's a bunch of large ones that have come up in, in India as well, that as soon as they start dropping in and they start pushing on the governments, the governments get behind it. They start backing it and they start making regulation changes because, you know, they're being asked to and they're saying, hey, look, we've got this whole finance uh, cohort. You guys got to do something because you're you're losing startups here. They're not going to be able to survive if you guys don't start cooperating. Yeah, exactly. That's that's um, I, I think, yeah, th this is because, again, the, 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 I mean, for, for the ecosystem to succeed, all the players has to to play. I mean, um, as you said, the, 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 there are the, the accelerators, the startups, the investors and the government and the uh, regulatory bodies and everything. So they should, th there should be communication between uh, everybody and the startups oftentimes they do not know how to orchestrate this. So it helps when there is, as you said, you gave like yeah, perfect example, a big name that can be heard or seen, or it's not really pressure, but again, they can show them the opportunity. I mean, we have done this, we have been working with startups in tons of countries and we see the opportunity, but, and we want to fund and, and inject investment in this type of 
verticals, but we see this hurdles. So I, I think this opens uh, and supports the startups, and then it 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 makes everybody, I mean, uh, confident about the ecosystem in this specific uh, country. Oh, I love it. That's awesome. Yeah. And it's great to hear that what you guys are doing are, are making a difference and that the ecosystems are picking up, especially in Egypt. Um, I was recently there just before uh, the pandemic kicked off and uh, I thought it was an amazing country and I enjoyed everything about it, to be honest, um, uh, especially in the markets. They were crazy, big, lots of people, but I just enjoyed overall the startup scene at the time was, uh, even though it was a year and a half ago, it was still, uh, it was there, it was still moving. I only met a couple of uh, people in that spot, but um, I know going back again, it'll be just as big or bigger than ever, and it'll be exciting to uh, to see more of it. But I, I think that it's a fast-moving country with so it's like the port of everybody drops into Egypt to go somewhere else in the Middle East. So the amount of people going into this country is phenomenal, and just yeah. the sheer size of what can occur inside of the startup world and, and ecosystem inside of Egypt and spreading across even from uh, in Israel and, and Jordan, there, there's uh, it, the plays are happening everywhere and this ecosystems yeah. are starting to build. So it's very exciting. Yeah, true. You're part of, uh, you're doing some great things. So keep up that. Um, well, we're going to kind of shift a little That's... bit into um, our next, which is kind of like, we've learned a lot about kind of where you've come from and working in this ecosystem and the great things that you're going to be doing and doing on the investment front. So, now you've been talking to so many startups along the way, there's probably got to be one story or many, but one story that you can focus in on for us is we're always looking for one great story of what it takes to be an entrepreneur, where you've seen a, a company start from nothing, you didn't think they were going to make it, and they just pulled it off and took off like crazy, or maybe they failed, but we don't like fail stories. You like the successful, <laughs> awesome yeah. stories that we're all looking for, but uh, the heartfelt stories. Do you have any like that that kind of come to mind about what it really takes to be an entrepreneur? I think most of them, yeah. I mean, the, the persistent because uh, it, it's hard. It's hard to start uh, a company, and it's hard to it's hard to see early failures. So the persistence to keep going, believe in what you are doing, and um, understand whether you want or you need to pivot or you just need to keep going and try to uh, do what you're doing, but maybe try again and keep pushing. So I, I think, yeah, it's the persistence, it's the persistence that they, they need, they need to put and uh, understanding when they need to uh, acknowledge that there is something not working and they either pull the trigger or maybe uh, pivot. Um, I was working with a company um, that started with, uh, they were doing like fitness and obesity management and so on. And they, 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 they kept trying for maybe a year and then they decided they need to pivot into maybe tackling different uh, segment which is again not necessarily related to the obesity but maybe to an underlying condition like the diabetic management and then they transformed from a health um, and the fitness app to a health tech app focusing on how to manage uh, the diabetes and uh, how to uh, again, it depends on, 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 on the diet and a lot of stuff which is similar to what they were doing, but they pivoted a little bit and they even now they classify themselves and even the, the, the investors and the VCs, they, they shifted looking at them from the perspective of wellness or fitness app into a health, uh, health tech app. So uh, again, th this, this needed from them like courage to acknowledge that they are totally shifting, they're pivoting from targeting this type of business into another one. I like it. I'm writing these lines down because these, uh, these are good. Courage and pivot, because you're right. Yeah. At the end of the day, if you don't learn 
Uh, well, I guess the first thing was your persistence, right? If you don't have persistence to drive your business, the success is going to keep dropping if you don't have persistence. But then having the courage to pivot, pivot, I think makes a big difference. But I'd also think that that comes from being able to have great coaches and mentors along the way, because the fear of pivoting is that you make the wrong turn, you run out of money, or you don't have enough money to pivot. So I'm guessing that along the, the way of you sharing this story, that they must have had quite a bit of dialogue with their investors, which means that they brought their investors into the conversation and pitched them on the idea that there could be a pivot happening. And are they all comfortable with it? And can they support that? Yeah, again, it's it's it, it takes, yeah, as you said, it takes courage for them and they have to be like, yeah, teachable. They 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 listen, they have like they're surrounded by advisors, they take their uh, they talk to them, they they're open because in a lot of cases, sometimes I mean, and and this is a, one of the causes, of course, of uh, failure is founders sometimes are stubborn. They 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 keep going uh, into the direction that showed, or they it's showing that it is the wrong direction, but they feel that no, this is this is the right direction. This is just bumps in the road, and I am persistent. I have to keep going. Which is tricky because sometimes maybe this is the case. Maybe it needs persistence, but you need to surround yourself by external eyes. I mean, people having this look from outside, and uh, if they're in most in most cases, they will give you the genuine uh, advice. So you need to listen to them. You need to be teachable as an as as a founder, and and if you're surrounding yourself by the right people and the right advisors and investors listen to them and uh, you you don't need to i mean follow what they say exactly but evaluate what they're saying and if it makes sense try to think about it and and pivot because sometimes if you you are very stubborn sometimes you you, you keep going into a direction that will not lead you um, to the success you want to do with your startup and you make a good point and, and you talk about how you have to surround yourself with a lot of people and a lot of mentors, coaches, or eyes that are helping with you. Um, how do you do that? And again, words of advice for how you can share to the startups. How do you get them to take themselves out of their business and think with an investor hat? So think like, or a consumer hat, you know, you said it might be just bumps in the road and you're probably sitting there going, these aren't bumps. These are like yeah. uh, knife cuts. You literally got to change. Yeah. This isn't working. How do you get that founder to kind of think outside the box? Is there a couple of things that practice wise or right on the board or any advice that you can share, maybe two or three points that will help you think uh, if you're in this spot, do this. If you're in this spot, do this, because if not, yeah. you're really not working and you got to get out of the business. So. Um, honestly, I don't think so. I, I don't think there is a real clear playbook. For, and I, I, I totally understand it's it's confusing. It's hard. In often cases, the startup, the idea itself is very new and novel. It's hard to put like rules. But what what I what I encourage them to do is is early on to form an advisory board. Um, many companies they don't consider this maybe before at least three years uh, after they start. But I encourage them to form an advisory board and try to engage with them on a monthly basis. They have a lot of experience. They have this external eye and they can help them. And I, I, I'm, I'm a little bit obsessed with this advisory board as well, because this is one of the values I was trying to bring with with the the um, I'm, I'm currently I'm investing through uh, this SPV structure, so and I spent a lot of time talking to the angel investors that are joining the syndicate, trying to get to know what they do, what's their what what's their experiences, what they're good at, whether they have time or not, whether they would love to get engaged as an uh, advisor or not, and so on. So um, even at the very early stage, if I'm entering into a company at the seed stage, for example, I encourage the founders to establish uh, an advisory board um, and the real one. I mean, an effective advisory board with a clear charter. They have to define the number of advisors and everything, because in a lot of cases, it's it's so loose that there is no structure for it. And most of the startups 
they say, hey, we, we work with like, yeah, probably like five advisors or three advisors, eight advisors. I think to make it effective, you need to form it with a charter to define exactly that, no, I'm working with a board of advisors that have seven advisors and we meet uh, every month and we do uh, this discussion and we have maybe these committees and everything. So I, I encourage the startups to, to form this early on, not necessarily a, a big advisory board, maybe three advisors or anything like that. And then they, they engage with them and they come with them with problems. It's not like sharing updates. I mean, here is the monthly update. We did this last month. Tell them we, we are feeling lost. We are having this problem and, and get engaged with them and ask them for clear help. This will help you, as you said, define whether this is uh, bumps in the road or this can be knife cuts in your uh, in your legs when you when you're moving. I like that, and uh, I like the fact like create clear charters and be structured. I think is really what I gathered from that is that uh, when you define the the parameters, people will jump into them, and then they'll feel that there's an outcome. And being clear on that and and having that chartered and being structured is going to allow for one, the startup to feel at ease that when they're putting something out, uh, it can then come back in many forms, but it gives them enough information to build that strategy to move forward. And the more ears or eyes, as you said, the more you have on your problems, the more solutions you're going to get. And that's going to really allow you to hone in to the right opportunities so that you can pivot, you can uh, build the courage to move in the right space because you're getting buy-in from everybody. And I think the other thing to add into that layer is that, and I like what you're pushing people to to get into this advisory role early at that seed stage is because now you're creating a structure for the business, but you're also helping the founders learn what structure is. Yeah, Because probably up until this point, they were showing up in shorts and a t-shirt and they were just kind of uh, mocking around building a uh, business as fast as they could. And, you know, they probably didn't want structure, but what that structure would layer into them is a bit more process, a bit more automation, tying in innovation, learning about what they're trying to succeed, but also strategize. So now they've got other people learning about what they're really trying to do. And they're coming with problems, which means that you're really tying people's knowledge back into your business, which allows you to move a little quicker. So I think it's great that you're incentivizing by pushing these guys to um, men and women to really focus in on their business and do it structurally right from the get-go instead of waiting later when it might be too late to start building that process in and then it just gets pushed by the wayside. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, very, it's very important and it helps them, as you said, definitely for a startup, even on the culture level. I mean, it's, it's very hard, definitely, and I understand this, for a startup to build like a, a, a company structure or a culture, I'm sorry. Uh, they're changing, they're pivoting, people are coming and going. And as you said, they're working all over the place and everything. But having this discipline helps in the beginning uh, if, you're, if you're laying the ground uh, right, you will be able, because you can grow fast, very fast, that in the middle, if you decided, hey, we need to have like a company culture, you'll not be able to do it. You're growing very fast and you're focused on a lot of things and probably will be dragging from um, a fundraising to another fundraising. So even the CEO would be busy. So it's it's tough. So spending a little bit of a time around it early on when you have the time and maybe you're a small team, it, it helps a lot. Agreed. I love that. Uh, well, that was uh, that was good. Um, really enjoyed understanding that more. And again, I like this structure and clear charters. So I think that makes a big difference in getting that in early. Um, we're going to kind of jump right now into our uh, rapid fire questions. So we're, we're almost done. Lots of great learning. So appreciate all that. We're going to start with business and then we're going to go personal. Okay. All right. Well, because we didn't answer the last one, which was one thing about you, nobody would know. You've got to jump on that question first. Then we're going to go into the business side. Okay. So um, what people don't know about me. Uh, I'm a great cook. I love cooking. And uh, yeah, I, I think I, I'm, I'm a great cook. I enjoy Fun. it. Yeah. 
I love sophisticated cooking. So I mean, uh, I'm into hard and, you know, this type of dishes that is not easy to do. I, I, I like to get involved in this type of uh, cooking. Yeah. I like it. So you're like, you're whipping up some ratatouille and you're making sure that it's yeah, just probably. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. That's good. I like it. Yeah. It's the only complicated one that I could think of off the top of my head real quick, but that's good. I like that. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Pick one or the other. This is the rapid fire. All right. Here we go. Hey, shoot me. Yeah. Founder or co-founder? Uh, co-founder. Unicorn or four-year 10, 10 times exit? It's tough, but uh, yeah, we, we all love unicorns, but I would go for uh, the four, yeah, four years 10x. All right. Tech or CPG? Tech. Brand or tech? Tech again. I'm a tech AI? guy, so. <laughs> AI or blockchain? Uh, AI. Uh, first money in or series A? Um, first money in. First time founder or two or three times founder? Two or three times founder. Angel or VC? Um, I like both. To, uh, it's it's hard, yeah, to uh, <laughs> to answer this one. Yeah, I, I I see. I mean, they're both different, and it's it's yeah. Okay, board seat or observer? Uh, board seat. Safe or convertible note. Safe. Lead or follow? Uh, it depends, but uh, I mean, uh, at the beginning, yeah, I mean, it's 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 a follow. Yeah, probably maybe later on. Yeah, I would. Okay. Equity or interest payments? No equity. Okay. Favorite part of investing? Um, I think the... Um, Tackling new ideas every time. I mean, so it's it's not boring. It's always new. You're different industries, different verticals, and so on. Number of companies invested per year? Um, I think around 12. You're way above average. <laughs> uh, preferred terms? Um, Load, save, private. Uh, I think yeah, the, the easiest I see, and it's it's faster to uh, yeah to reach an agreement. It's a safe with a, a capped a capped safe. Okay. Yeah. Uh, verticals of focus. Um, a lot actually. It's it's not one vertical. So fintech, insurance, health tech, logistics and supply chain, marketplaces, this type of uh, verticals. Okay. And one or two things that you think really makes a startup stand out? Uh, the team. The team and the market size. I mean, if, if, if it's the right team and they're tackling uh, uh, a problem with a huge market size, I think it's uh, a lethal combination. <laughs> okay, perfect. That's good. Um, all right, personal questions. Yeah. Book or movie? Movie. Superman or Batman? Oh, Superman. Pizza pop or ice cream bar? Uh, pizza pop. Five minutes with Bezos or Oprah? <laughs> Five minutes with Bezos. All right. Arsenal or Manchester United? Uh, Arsenal. Yeah, <laughs> so uh, we could be fans together. But yes, okay, man, first time. That's the first person who's ever answered Arsenal. Everybody yeah. who's a man, you fan. It's terrible. <laughs> I found you. Yes. All right. Bike or rollerblades? Sorry. Bike or rollerblades? Oh, bikes. Uh, Big Mac or Chicken McNuggets? Uh, Big Mac. 
Trophy or money? Money. All right. <laughs> beer, beer or wine? Uh, beer. Alarm clock or mobile phone? Uh, mobile phone. Uh, hotel or hostel? Uh, hotel. Should Trump finally go to jail because of his tax issues? <laughs> yes or no? Yes. <laughs> Will he go to jail is the better question. Yeah, exactly. That's the, that's the real question. Yeah, the real question is, will he go to jail? Yes or no? Uh, I don't think so. Fair enough. I don't think so either. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. Favorite sports team? Uh, Al-Ahli in Egypt. Which team? Al-Ahli in Egypt. It's an Egyptian team. Okay. Yeah. It's a soccer. Yep. I yeah. actually, uh, well, I'll tell a quick story just because you brought it up, but I did try to go to a football match or soccer match in Egypt. Oh. And um, I waited. I talked to uh, a few officers and they wouldn't allow me into the game because I wasn't on the list. Then one guy tried to see if he could find me on the list, almost found me on the list, and then said he couldn't find me on the list. <laughs> so, uh, I wasn't allowed to go to the game. They didn't understand why I wanted to go watch a game. I'm like, I watch soccer matches all over the world. Why can't I come watch a game? Yeah. So I tried my best, but they wouldn't let me in. So I had to watch it on TV, but uh, I was close. I almost made it in. I felt like I was oh. one person away from uh, someone thinking that I was on the list to let me in. <laughs> That's an interesting story for just a simple soccer game. Yes. Well, I know that... Um, uh, most of the games are all the games are locked down. So you're not allowed to attend a game unless you're on a list. Right. So the stadiums are yeah. usually quite uh, empty, but um, I still thought I could try and pull it off. And I felt like I was close, um, but it didn't work out. But either way, it was the top two teams in, uh, in the league that were playing. And yeah. I was, I felt really good about it, but I didn't get in. So anyway, <laughs> I made the attempt and they have good soccer, man. The teams are pretty good. Yeah, so. it's it's yeah, it's the the number one. Yeah, definitely sport in the region as well. Big time, Africa yeah. and Egypt, and so many fans. But yeah, I'm sure it'll uh, open itself back up in the next few years. I'm sure. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully it will be back to normal again. Agreed. Uh, all right, favorite movie and what character would you play? Um, a lot of movies, but. Um, I have a blackout. <laughs> all right, I'll ask another question. Then you can think of the movie. Yeah. Uh, all right. What is your favorite superpower? Or what is your superpower? Not your favorite. What is your superpower? Mm -hmm. What is your superpower? Um, I'm, I'm trying to uh, think of one. Maybe I don't have a superpower. I don't know. <laughs> you do. You're a technologist. Come on. You've got a superpower. <laughs> um... Uh, I don't know. Patience. I don't know if this is a superpower nowadays or not, but... Uh... Yeah, patience is a good one, man. Patience, as they say, is a virtue. Right? Much of people <laughs> have patience, right? They're always go, 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 need it now. So yeah, yeah. patience is good. Yeah. Ah, you're good with people. That's also... I, I think so, yeah, I think so. A lot of people don't have that stamina, right? So I think patience, so. good with people. Man, you've got a ton of superpowers. Yeah. So there you go. There's one. Have you thought of the movie yet? There are a lot. I mean, Lord of the Rings is one, and uh, I, I, I like it. And um, there was this movie. I, I'm trying to remember the name. It was a Wall Street uh, type of movie, but I don't remember the name. It was yeah one of my uh, favorites of as well. Was it The Wolf of Wall Street? No, no, it was an old one. I don't remember the name of the movie. <laughs> well, you can send it out later, but uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I actually just started watching Lord of the Rings again, so I'm a big yeah. fan too, so I like yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, I saw the first one uh, like a week ago, so... Uh, yeah, I'm thinking of starting as well, watching again. Yeah, you need to find a four-hour allotment, so 
I think I watched it. Over <laughs> yeah, it's it's a long. Yeah, I mean, especially if you want to go to the three uh, parts. So yeah, you you need to find the uh, a not so busy week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's a lot there. Yeah. All good. Well, Sharif, it was a pleasure. Thank you very much for all your time today. Thank you for um, having me. I enjoyed it. Thank awesome. You. Well, the way we like to end things is we like to give you the last word. So anything you want to share to investors or to the startup community, uh, I leave it to you to share. But again, thank you very much for sharing everything. Thank I've got you. lots of notes on my laptop here, everywhere. I take notes, but uh, brilliant, man. A lot of great things that you shared. And thank you again for your time. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, no, for the investors, I tell them again, um, I come from a region that has been uh, underserved. And now I, I can realize that this is um, a huge opportunity for the investors. They try to, they, they just have to try to understand the region and find the right, whether partner or channel or bridge to get into this region and understand it. Uh, and um, uh, th this is one of the premises I'm trying to fulfill through Jadar Capital. I'm trying to be the bridge between investors in US and uh, startups in the region, Egypt and Africa and Middle East. I love it. Well, I think we're, uh, we're going to see a lot of great things from you more. And uh, we're looking forward to seeing how we can work together too. So well, thank, thank you thank very you. much again for your time thank today. You. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you very much. Okay, that was Sharif. Uh, awesome. Great, great interview. I really enjoyed the, um, his background, being a deep tech guy, engineer, uh, all the things that he's done, but also how much he's focused in on the region in uh, going through and diving into the Middle East. Uh, also being able to take where he grew up in Egypt and utilizing that as a, as a way to help those early stage companies, investing in them. Um, putting together clear charters and helping startups understand and putting together advisory boards right from the beginning, uh, always huge. And I love that because, uh, you know, the more process, the more uh, structure you can build into a company early on is going to help them grow faster and be stronger as they get, get further along. And of course, uh, persistence is key to making things happen. So I uh, really love that that's how uh, he looks at it. And it makes a big difference for a startup to understand that they got to be persistent. They got to push because that's the only way you're going to close a deal. So overall, Sharif, uh, thank you very much for that. Um, again, fantastic uh, conversation. And thank you for everybody for joining us today. If you enjoyed our conversation, please subscribe to the YouTube channel or follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Stitcher. And you can also check us out at supportersfund.com or for startup events, visit opn.ninja. Thank you again and have a fantastic week.